You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Ryan, I'm having uh, some back issues. Not happy. I I thought it was a kidney infection. I was actually hoping it was a kidney infection because I don't want more back problems. Mm -hmm. It's not. No blood in the urine. Uh, Just a lot of muscle pain. So bear with me. Bear with me. I'm hanging in there. I'm sorry to hear that. It happens. It happens. I I mean, uh, I was doing really well for a while. So... But I'm hoping in a couple of weeks this will subside or or sooner. Uh, I hope you're enjoying your week. Enough about my back pain and old person stuff. Uh, got a great show today. And um, if you didn't know, the live podcast, Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, live. We're going live. I love your support. We're doing it at the Regent Theater on October 11th at 7 p.m. And my guest is Zach Levi. It's live. I'm trying to get one of those little things that shoot out T-shirts and stuff. I thought that's what you were gesturing to do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And um, it's going to be great. Uh, Zach's a lot of fun. He's funny. Maybe I'll get him to sing or something. But get your tickets now. There's VIP tickets. There's only a certain amount of VIP tickets. So you don't want to mess with that. You want to get in on that. but you can go on my Instagram. You can go on Zach's, I believe. You can go anywhere. Uh, Instagram, my link tree is in my bio, and you can get tickets and come support the podcast. Some come support see live theater here. That's going to be fun. It really is going to be fun. I'm excited about it. Uh, a lot of cons coming up, so it's also in the link tree. Rhode Island, D.C., Salt Lake City. Um, the Inside of You online store. I've got great new zip up Inside of You sweatshirts which there's not a ton left. So get them and new tumblers, autograph Lexmas scripts and other stuff. Um, and the band Sunspin, we have our vinyls out now. We have new hats with new logos. We've got new tumblers, sunspin.com. I'm on the cameo, all that stuff. And um, a lot of good stuff going on, man. Um, you know, John Heater and I have the reality show coming out. So we're, you know, that will come out next year. And it's a, it's about, it's, it's two guys, who love horror who are going around the world to see what really is scary and uh it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun i get scared pretty easily when it comes to creepy stuff but you love it i love it it's like an adrenaline rush man it's like a ride at magic mountain a roller coaster i get that feeling like oh oh, i'm scared i'm scared but it doesn't happen often because there are mostly crappy horror movies out there um Quick shout out to the things that I support, foodonfoot.com.org, foodonfoot.org for helping the homeless situation. My friend Rob Danson works with that organization, and they're wonderful. They really help people. And uh, Ronald McDonald House of Los Angeles um, and ARM, Animal Rescue Mission, if you want to help out there. And most importantly, uh, well, not that least importantly, is uh, the patron to support the podcast. So if you want to support the podcast, patreon.com slash inside of you and i'll send you a message you're really helping the show without you we couldn't do this show so if you want the show to stick around please do it jamie kennedy is someone i've known for years and we did a little movie together um it didn't do that well but we had a blast doing it and that's the most important thing which we forget if you have fun doing something and it doesn't turn out the way you want just look at it as a great experience and um jamie was surprisingly um open about life career health uh it it surprised me in a good way that i didn't know how open he'd be 
and he really impressed me. And it was a fascinating uh, interview, and I'm, I'm glad he came on the podcast. So, Jamie, thank you. He texted me a couple of weeks ago. He's like, is this going to air? We had a lot in the can. So it's finally airing, and we're very excited. And without further ado, let's get inside of Jamie Kennedy. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Hey, folks, wanted to highlight something important before today's episode. In case you weren't aware, myself and many of the guests are on strike alongside SAG, AFTRA, and WGA. Today's episode and any we air before the strike ends were recorded before it began. So this is just a heads up in relation to some for the topics we may discuss. If you want more info on the strike, visit SAG After Strike. Dot org. Now let's get into it. <laughs> how how long have I known you? Bro, I'm going to say 25 years I think we met. You want to know where we met? Is it going to embarrass me? No, but you might be scared. I shouldn't. Is it a spa? I want to say 1999 or 98 Playboy Mansion. Playboy Mansion. And it was you, Tom and, Arnold, and no, and Tara Reed. You know why? And you were and go ahead. And I just remember we were getting on the bus to go back because they take you in a bus up to the mansion. Yeah, because you can't drive your cars up there unless you're really big time. And it was like some one of the weird parties. It was our my first party there. There's only two good parties, which is Midsummer's and Halloween. Yeah, and this was like a sponsored like geico or something it was like a sunday afternoon swim and it was like we were done at four and you're like all right like where's the after party like you were you were a gung-ho for four more parties i mean how old was i you were like 20 and i was like 22 and i was like let's go i don't know if we found wow i remember because it was right we on the shuttle a lot of good relationships are made on that shuttle there were it was always the fun just kind of letting go and laughing and yeah yeah oh yeah 20 Wait, so I was with Terry. We had just done Urban Legend and it hadn't come out yet. Yep. And you. Because you were like, you're the scream guy. I got a movie coming out. Urban Legend. I'm an Urban Legend guy. So you're the guy who is the original and I'm like the third rate guy. I would never call you third rate, Michael. Well, you know, Beautiful. did it did it sort of not upset you, but I'm sure like you're watching, you're, you got all the success and scream and all that stuff. And then all these spinoffs start happening. You're like, fucking rip offs, rip offs. Were you like that or you're like, you didn't care? I mean, I was so young, so I was like, you know it happens, but I mean, you definitely are like, that's kind of like our movie, or that's kind of like our movie, but you know, at that time, everything was coming out. Yeah. Jeepers Creepers, I Know What You Did, you know, so many different Yeah, movies. that was uh But we all got to work in them. Yeah, so I've known you, so you're saying I've known you for we, 25 years? We met then, and then we really didn't get to know each other until the WB days, and then we started mm -hmm. doing the upfronts and hanging out, then we went to the, I remember we went to the Golden Globes together, we had a good time. We met Morgan Freeman? Yes. Uh, did Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, dude. I like the experiment. <laughs> <laughs> How you, often do you do that? I never do it. No, really? I, I never do more. I don't think I do a good Morgan Dude, Freeman. Dude, that just, was good. I, the, the, do only, it. the only way I get into it is like, I remember the first day I met Andy. 
<laughs> Damn, dude. Is that good? That's good. You never do that on the show? Never do it on the show. Dude, do I? Have I ever done that? good. I don't think it's because it's not one of my things, but I know you do a lot of impressions. I do. I can't. I mean, I was, I'm not. That's how you kind of like, you were that guy in the beginning when you were growing up and you were always doing impressions. Are they sort of dated now is what you think? I Well, no, dude. I think a good impressionist, I think a good impressionist is the holy grail to me. I think it's so hard to do impressions. So if you do them well, it shows such a range of talent. And I think. Wow. Yeah, I but I don't know if people realize I don't know if they value them as much as I do because to me impressions are everything. But I, I didn't know that. I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought they were just like, oh, I'm. A, I have a good ear and I kind of mimic voice. I didn't think I was. A, it was a talent. It's a super talent, dude. Off the cuff, you just did Morgan Freeman. I'm going to say that was ninety percent similar rate. Really? Do it again. Say you've been next. You've been next. <laughs> Is that really good? It's pretty good, dude. Uh, you know, I think my my good ones are like Dangerfield and stuff like that. Let's hear it. You got to close your eyes. Hey, I'll tell you what. We got Jamie Kennedy here. Jamie, I, my wife told me to take out the trash. I said, hey, you cooked it. You take it out. All right. Oh, how are you? Bro, two for two. So I'm talented. Very talented. I always know, said that about you. You're an un, You're an undervalued talent. Really? Yeah. You know what? I kind of feel that way. I mean, in a way, like I'm like, hey, I could do a lot of stuff and I don't get the opportunities to do the stuff that I think I could do. Bro, you're a great conversationalist. You can do many impressions. You can do characters. You're never fake on film. Thanks. I mean, sometimes I could be fake. No, you're you're always in the moment. Really? Even when we're doing Kicking It Old School. That's right. We had, it was a fun movie, but you were always- in the moment like it was real yeah even though it was a comedy and that's what makes it funnier as you know play comedy real and i remember you would always throw shit at me you'd be like all the rosie, time rosie rosie try this try do this do it no, 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 do it like oh yeah that's funny it's funny yeah it was <laughs> it was like did you like that or no i loved it i love when people throw shit at me i, I don't i don't like I don't like when they say, hey, instead of saying this line, when she says that, say this line. And then when she says that, say, I, I can't, sometimes I can't put my mind together to wrap it around to connect. I'm thinking too much. I, I like to kind of have it for a minute. But if I throw words out or throw like little, change that sentence, say this, I'm okay. Can you do that? Are you good like that? Yeah. I like to improv. Improvise is one thing, but when they're throwing things at you to say, oh, Oh, like the exact words. Like yeah. they get me. I get when you do like a, a procedural mm. and you leave an and out and they're like, and the body was There's uh, nothing worse yeah, than that. It's it, like, come on, dude, this is this all is, this exposition. No one gives a shit. Yeah, I know. And you did you've done that. I've done a lot of that. Well, uh whisper, ghost whisperer. We whispered. Did you have a lot of that expositional sort of like I, I'm trying to t- tell this, yeah, in the simplest way. We we were the number one show on Friday. Yep. And I was a guy that sometimes, well, wait a minute. The ghost was at 33rd and Anderson. But if it went two blocks down <laughs> and then the ghost came back to 32nd Street, it was all this stuff. And I would mess the street up. And I'm like, do people really care if it's Anderson or Atherton? You know what I mean? <laughs> and they'd be like, well, the street name is Anderson. And I'm like, look, here, show my exposition. Cut to the ghost, cut to J-Lo's face, 
number one on Friday. That's all you need. Don't worry. You know did, what I'm did saying? Did you get annoyed? Did you get annoyed with people on set? Like the writers going, guys, fuck. No, I didn't. But I just laughed because they were already number one before I got there. And they're already number one when we were canceled. So I was like. Why was it number one and canceled? <sighs> we're number one on Friday night. We're, top, we're at top 10 show. And, and they was, canceled it. Yeah. Did 100 apps. Uh, I don't know. You know how this works. Yeah, it's, it's just no. The studio reason. might have not been getting the deficit, or but the ratings that you had then, if it was on now, they'd be like, "Oh, this is gold." Insane. Because the there's too many shows now. Too much content. There's just too much content. It, it overwhelms me. I always say this, but like you know, you go. It's it's like going to the. Uh, it's like you know you go to a hot dog stand. What do you want? I'm 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 gonna get a hot dog and a soda. But like you go to Jerry's Deli and there's like these giant pages of items i know it's too much and it's just it confuses me it's too much hot dog it's too much hot dog no one can win with all that dog so what, do you, what do you, it's a lot of dog but do you like the fact that there's so many streaming platforms now or do you like the old school where it's less shows better content or do you think there's better content and i think there's better content at times but there's also a lot more shit you think there's better content now that's it, it, some yeah that's it's interesting no no i'm saying there's some great content but there's more bad stuff than ever. Okay. Here's what I would say. When you and I were popping off in the beginning, we were blessed by the establishment. And so that's a badge of honor. And it was like, it was a very narrow lane. So if we got picked to walk in it, it was like, yes. Now there's less barrier to entry, almost no barrier to entry. but that makes it more democratized, but it makes, which which is annoying is the people running traditional Hollywood are more overthinking than ever. So that's, there's never been more places to show stuff and I've never seen more overthinking. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's so much. You can't, you can't consume it. I mean, Snap has networks. Snap, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A has a network. Chick-fil-A has is getting content. You know, TikTok is adding channels. Like it's everywhere from from traditional to streaming to cable to yeah. Dude, do you know how many pilots CBS is gonna make this year? I know. Scripted pilots. Three. What did they used to make? 15? 22? Three. Let that sink in the re there's no pilot season anymore there no. it's literally we lived in a time yeah where it's like i'd see you at an audition yeah. like there's these this many shows this is already greenlit yeah i want to get this this is now it's like i eh, put yourself on tape or uh meet with the director on a zoom yeah that's what's crazy there's no connection there's they can't read you on a freak you know no that's what I know. The whole, that's why the business is different for me now, in my opinion. It's just not as intimate. Yeah, it's not as glamorous. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp, when you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like 
the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. Found, I got Rocket Money. <laughs> okay, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. <laughs> you know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I don't like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. Start the sentence with, the other night I'm watching Milf Manor. The reason I did, I had this friend in Indiana, his name's Nate. And Nate is the guy who is a one word, one word response. I had, if I don't talk to him for months, I go, hello. And I go, Nate, what's going on? Well, not a whole lot. I go, cool, man. How's the family? Fine. Cool. How's mom? Not bad. Cool. Any, uh, anything cool going on? Nah. So Nate, who's not very talkative, starts going, I go, how was last night? Cause I was in Indiana recently. And he goes, I go, what'd you do? He goes, well, couldn't sleep. I go, why not? He goes, I don't know, but I started watching Milf Manor. <laughs> and I go, okay. And this show, 
he says, is about these 48 to 60-year-old women, yeah. MILFs, yeah. with 20-year-old men who like MILFs. But that's not even the best part of it. Get ready, get ready for the twister. Okay. I love when, that they're filming that. When they reveal the kids, I say kids because 20s, you, you know, you're young. They're all the MILF sons. So the sons are having sex with different MILFs as the MILFs having. Uh, there were sons. No! There are sons around. It's a train wreck. And I had to watch it just because I was like, just, I have to. And I was up till four in the morning, like Nate. Watch an effing MILF man. How many apps? Eight. What's it on? This is my whole joke. It's on the fucking learning channel. No. T no. TLC is making MILF manner. Here's where you're going to learn, kids. Wow. You're going to learn how to F a 60-year-old woman. It's teaching. Dude, are <laughs> you kidding me? I can't make this shit up, man. Wait a minute. So all the dudes who are stupid, they're other MILF's kids. So it's one big DNA fest. One guy's having sex with four different MILFs. One MILF is having sex with four different guys. Not his mom. Not the mom. They never go mom to son. Oh, no. That okay. would be, That'd yeah. Be that would be weird. Incest MILF manner. But, I mean, how much weird, weirder can you be? And it's like... And Who created this You know this what upsets show? me out of all this? Mastermind. Here's how my effed up mind works. Wait, one dude's taking down four moms. At least three. Really? Yeah. And one. Sorry if you're, if you're listening. I hope you're interested. This one Asian. Think- <laughs> this one. So they put the these little uh, uh, notes, stick it notes on a bill, on a, like a, a, a board, I'm right? I'm sure they do have sticky notes. <laughs> And it says there's quotes. There's like, oh, not quotes, but there's like, um, I had sex in an elevator with my boyfriend once in a movie theater. I had this. I had this. So they're going that night. They all, all the young kids ask their moms. They guess what their moms put. And their mom, one of the moms goes, he goes, you were the elevator? And she goes, no. And he goes, well, what were you? I had sex with your best friend. And the kid almost starts crying. It's real, and it's just she starts crying because she didn't realize how upset he'd be somehow. It's a train wreck. The mom told the son that she effed her friend, and he got upset. friend. Oh, God. Could you imagine your mom banging your best friend? And your friend. Yeah, dude, that's going to ruin their friendship. How could you do that to me, both of you? You sluts. Anyway, enough about MILF Manor. But yes, the whole industry is like, you know, and by the way, this is why it's messed up. In my crazy mind, I'm thinking, I would have come up with that and they wouldn't have bought it. Yeah, it's true. That's ridiculous. Why would we do that? But some asshole pitched it, sold the show. MILF Manor is making hundreds of dollars. Yeah. You know? That's true. You, How many shows do you think you've pitched since you started? <sighs> I mean, I've had two shows that I produced and starred in, and I had another six pilots or variants of series that I got on air. Six that you were part of either wrote, produced, or acted in? Yeah. No, it was eight, but six I wasn't on camera. So let's say eight. That's ridiculous. Out of how many? Well, like some went 30 apps, some went six, some went pilot. But what about the ones that didn't? get made or, or I'm out of 
shows I've probably pitched. I would say it's more. It's not as many as you think, but it's one show. A lot of pitches. I pitched one show, twenty three networks, and everyone laughed, and they never bought it. So at least a hundred different ideas I've taken around multiple times. And you've had eight that. Yeah, about eight percent. That's. It's not terrible. That's really good. Yeah, but I never got past the sixty. Like I had one more season for syndication. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. my show would have been one more season syndication and then boom. Jamie, but, Jamie Kennedy experiment. Experiment, yeah. Which, why was it like, you know, I know it was canceled after two seasons, but it was the highest rated show. It was like, it was, why, why did they just let it go so quickly? I'll tell you exactly why. So we got the show. We were making the show. The show is like when things in Hollywood are made good, I believe they're made kind of on a fluke. Right, so the show started because Jordan, who is a great guy, Love him. gave you know us very big breaks. Jordan yeah. Levin, he was running the network, and he was he was cool. He was like us. He was like a young guy. You're right. You're right. He loved to go to Morton's. He loved to drink wine. Always smiling. He's always happy. He knew he knew pop music. He was fun. He was in and Suzanne Daniels also young. And exciting. And the WB was this new place where I've never seen programming for younger people, let alone a whole network dedicated to it. Right. right? That was like young YA. Yeah. And it was Sarah Michelle was like, you know, the, the poster child. Yes. For, yeah. So he was a big fan of comedy. And he says, I want you to do a tape for the salespeople. And he says, I want you to go and do a prank on them and you're going to play their a big guy, you're going to play the network's nephew who's got ideas for products. And they're going to film it. And they filmed it. And I was in there pitching like Coca-Cola salesperson. I'm like, let's go back to the original formula, bro. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, a little cocaina. You know, like people need more energy. Red Bull's <laughs> killing you. Let's figure this out. Colombian Coke. Like the guy was like, free. so everything <laughs> was a new product that I would just give it the, the Swiffer, like all these different products. Great reactions. Huge thing. Played it at the upfronts as a, as a break in between show and show. So, so they're showing you Smallville or, you know, Seventh Heaven. They're showing a break. And this show was shown as the break. It killed. It was the perfect thing because it was on the advertisement. So it wasn't sold yet. No, it this was. This was just a. It was literally. It was like a a sizzle interstitial to keep people happy as they're showing new shows and keeping the advertisers happy. Were you surprised that it went this well? I knew it went well, and he. I knew that if it did something, he's a creative guy, so it would have been an idea. It was perfect because we played it at the place that where people were buying the stuff and it was their friends who were getting pranked. It was like, you know, 2000 people in New York killed. And he's like, we got to do a show like that night. He's like, we got to do a show. Okay. So it takes off and boom, numbers are great and all that. So yeah, then we do it takes off. Numbers are great. And then second year, uh, we're traveling more orders the whole season. The third year, get the whole season order, a ton of cities, Corporate sales. What happened was there was a corporate restructuring and the head of, I want to say, Warner Brothers TV changed. And so Jordan left 
and a new guy came in and axed it. Fat was trimmed. You kept, you were one of the few that got to stay and we got, we got axed. A lot of us got axed. How, how hard is it for you? How hard was it for you then when something gets canceled compared to how you react now? Uh, I'll tell you a couple of things. What's crazy is, is that Comedy Central was dying for the show. This is going to be, this is a good moment for you. Like, it hurts me. <laughs> Two places wanted it. ABC Family and Comedy Central. Comedy Central was begging for the show. They said, we're going to pair it with Chappelle. The studio or the somebody in ownership goes, we're not going to sell it to you unless you take all episodes produced. And they didn't, they did because they were planning on doing more seasons. And they said, no, we're just going to buy what we want now. And he goes, you know, you have to take all future episodes. And they said, no. That deal was killed. And they sold it to ABC Family. ABC Family ran it for six weeks and then said, we're changing our mandates. So it was gone in six weeks. Comedy Central, meanwhile, Chappelle blows up because of reruns, because of the DVDs. Would have got that second window, I believe. So when it was canceled, though, I was doing a lot. I was doing movies. I was doing stuff. So I was like, okay, it was a good run, an amazing springboard. I'll look at my next thing. But when it went down, I had a few other things go down. And then I was definitely bummed. Would I be as bummed as I would? I would not be nearly as bummed now. But then I was pretty damn bummed. Like, would it, how did, do you remember the feeling of like, you know, just waking up every day was hard? Was that, are you that kind of guy who gets depressed? Like, I deal with depression, I deal with anxiety where you sort of like can't get out of bed. I'm, I'm a failure. I'm, is that where your mind goes? Uh, I remember I had a series of a few things bomb. And I definitely, I remember I was having parties at my house a lot. It was me and my buddy Stu. Stu. Okay. Yeah. So Stu would come over. And he would bring people and we would hang out. I remember drinking like wine and I was, I remember eating what I remember just not giving a shit. So I was definitely self-destructive. Uh, I mean, not, yeah, I wasn't like, I was like, let's get back on the horse. But I was like, this is, I needed to vegetate. So I was just, yeah, I was doing whatever I wanted to do. And it wasn't, I wasn't destructing myself, but I wasn't exactly being proactive. And I did that for about eight months. Eight months. I'm just but like going and gorging on sushi, coming back, going to a club, hanging out all night. A lot of six filling the void. Uh, yeah, a lot of six AMers. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, we've all been there. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Yeah, and it's people don't realize how depressed you can get. Like, I'm always about going to the next thing, but people don't realize that you give your soul to something. Passion. Yeah, when it is stopped, it is like you're getting cut off. It's like instant. That's like why reviews can be so brutal. You work a year, a year and a half on something, and people just lacerate it with the swipe of a pen. And sometimes they do it because for some reason they don't like you. Yeah. Oh, big time. Or they're trying to get clicks, or they're trying to be funny. It's like, I always tell it, man, you can't really judge a man until you walk in his shoes. And it's like, our our business is incredible. We are so fortunate. Yes. But what did we do to get there? What have we given up? What have we, you know, we are laser-like focused. I didn't have normal relationships. I don't have normal friendships. Like, I don't have hobbies. I don't have, like, dinner nights. You know what I mean? This is what you do. This is, yeah. There's like, what what do you like to do for fun? Where's the, there is no fun. My life is my fun. Like, when I'm on set, it's the funnest thing ever. But, like, to get there is a fucking marathon. And people don't realize that. They're like, oh, you know what I'm saying? So, we are animals and we cannot stop until we keep going. And even Robin Williams, brilliant. He's like, he's like 80% of our of our job is getting the job. And that's Robin Williams. Yeah. I mean, some people like, you know, in the industry, a lot of people will, you know, do it things for fame. I just want to be famous. And then people do it because they just love doing it. I know guys like yourself. I don't care what I'm doing. I want to work. I want to be on a show. I want to be acting. I want to just do, I'll keep, I'll keep doing it. And that's what they love. And it's, I, I feel like it is so much a part of them that that's all they've known. And that's all they know. Maybe that they can't change. That's like, if they don't work, they're not going to be happy. Yeah. I've definitely through COVID, now have had an adjustment and through our business, which has changed drastically, I believe in the last six years. But now there, like for instance, I have a show I'm going out with, with another guy who's very known because it used to be just, we pitch an idea. Mm -hmm. Like, and you would just talk at lunch and be like, okay, write it up and blah, blah, blah. That's, you know how gone those are. So now you got to stack your deck. So I'm with another guy who's a big producer. He has a deal. We're going out, and out of 10 networks so far, four have passed to hear it. Four. Passed to just hear it. To hear it. Four. Now, you remember what we said earlier about the numbers. Four don't even want to hear it. Now, why? Do they not like me? Is there mandates? Is there, you know what I'm saying? Like, and this is a person that's also very successful. So it's wild. Like that is, and that's just like, it's hurtful. Well, no, it's just like, if I can't even get to the table when I've already eaten and fucking done everything, like 
I mean, I'm looking. I'm not invited anymore. Yeah, no, it's like it's like, and and for what? I'm fighting for a two market share, like to get through all these hoops for less of a viewership. I'd rather just go on TikTok. You know? Yeah, I, I really, but, but you also know? like, why? To me, it's like, hey, he's had a lot of success. He's done some successful things. Let's just hear him out. It's it's 20 minutes. Well, because people are now, you know, there's a lot. Listen, how can I say? How can I say this? Say it. There's a lot of different mandates now. And so sometimes where you and I, I've, there are certain things that people just don't want to see me for because of who I am. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that's okay. But it's like, yo, I was, it's not the best man win as much as it used to be. Do you agree right. with that? If you, absolutely. I think that like, if you have a great idea, I don't give a shit who, who did it. Whose idea is it? Let's 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 hear it. Let's uh, and also they're doing a disservice maybe to their network because it could be something that could be very beneficial to them. Yes. So it's it's changed a lot, and it's just like so. I mean, it's just it's just the ratings aren't the same. You know, it's just a wild time. So the business to me is lost a little bit of its shine. And I'm not bitter, man. I'm like lucky. I have a great life. Yeah. And I'm lucky. I've become somewhat of an entity. So I can always keep going, but it's just like, you know, I either self tape or I'll get an indie, you know what I mean? And hopefully one of those indies are great. Hopefully one of them pops. Yeah. I mean, look, it just happened, which I love them. I'm sure you're good friends with them with, uh, 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 why did you just blow his name? Simon Rex. Simon's killing it. And and think about it. Beautiful. For a while, Simon was just kind of like, you didn't hear about him. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden a little indie movie yeah boom he's getting work everywhere and he was phenomenal and he deserves it and i love him and i'm so happy for him yeah but look that's look every every big hollywood story they want to see the underdog they want to see the guy that wants to get that gets back on top that's that's what a lot of movies are i don't you know what's funny is a lot of those movies aren't made anymore it's all just either you know dude how many auditions would you go on for a movie in a week back in the day at least a couple or a tv show you would go on two or th- three auditions a day for a movie. Think about this, okay? Disney, right? Hollywood Pictures, Buena Vista. Three different divisions, each making what? 12, 13 movies a year, 38, 39 movies, okay? I remember going on three movies in a day for them. For, and like two, in one week, I had like six movie auditions. Now, what does Disney make total? Eight movies a year, four hundred million a movie, and they're usually animated or something. Well, some are animated, but then the rest are like twelve stars, super you right, know, stars. right. So there, there's the mid level to the eight to ten million dollar movie is done, and so it's just like, how can we make this huge piece of pop culture Americana? How can we turn it into a ride? How can we do it? Like, where are the urban legends? Those are going to streaming. Where are the screams? I don't, would Scream be made? You know, the original idea, you know? I, I see, you know, I have to really search because I don't use Rotten Tomatoes as a gauge anymore because Ooh. it's absolute bullshit. Yeah. Because and everybody who knows movies or anything about movies, next time you look at a movie and it says 95%, watch that movie and also look at the audience score. Which yes. is usually significantly lower. L- look at the audience store, not Rotten Tomatoes. I, I saw, there's something completely messed up with that because the movies that I find good a lot of times are like the 52%, 58%. Yeah. But the 90s are always crap. Or not always crap, but they're always, they're never, they're mostly not as good as 
you know these critics say they are. So you're saying the critics are conspiring together. I don't know. I like I like uh, conspiracy theories. I will say that I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm saying I'm not saying this. The audiences will pick a movie that works that they may not like, but the it'll be killing with the audience. But you can manipulate an audience by saying 95 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and everybody rushes to see it, mm. and you make your money, and then they're like, "Yeah, that was like a 75, maybe, maybe mm. a 70. Mm. Man, that wasn't a 90. Who's who's doing that? And they're all." They're fucking all like that. And then I'll dig on Shudder to find some little horror independent movie from 2007 called Isolation, which is like an independent movie of the thing and alien combined. Mm. And I'm like going, fuck, yeah. Mm. Dude, you just woke up. I did, Reese, right before you got here. I did too, but you just woke up. Yeah, I just like, and I'm you like, got look, mad. I, I, I was. I, I like it, it. It does. It, it, it's what passion. gets you mad? It's passion. Yeah. Because I just like, I just, I, I really buy into it. I'm like, God, they can't be like, wow, 70 critics said this. 200 critics gave it a 98. It's yeah. got to be great. Yeah. I'm like, what am I missing? And maybe I just don't know no good anymore maybe i'm just so jaded maybe i'm just not i don't know what good is anymore maybe it's hard to i don't know i don't know bro think about it when's the last time you see a comedy i can't tell you the last comedy that i saw oh milf manor was pretty funny exactly but that's what you're going for your comedy when's the last big comedy movie they're not making them they're not greenlining them yeah you're right they're not let me ask you this. I like this. This is good. You do? This is great. Okay, good. I like that you're yelping it in the middle of it. Oh, what? Yelping it? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, five stars, yelp. Um, I'm just like looking back. Like I, I read like, you know, when you first started, you were doing extra work. You were working Red Lobster. Do you ever look back and go, dude, with, with all the success and some failures, whatever, that, hey, man, look. I'm I'm here still. I'm here. Look what I've done. Are you able to do that, or you kind of don't look back and you're just looking forward? Uh well, I love Denzel, and he's always like, "My favorite movie is my next one," and I think that's a brilliant mindset. Um, but no, I definitely because of all the stuff we're talking about, I definitely feel like I don't sit and revel in my life. But I definitely know I'm fortunate and I'm like, I'm a thing. I know how much money I have, like, in terms of, like, what's safe. And I'm, like, know the part of legacies I've been a part of. Like, I've been a part of some pretty cool legacies. Yeah. I've also done some, you know, movies that are only coming out on Pakistan Redbox, you know. <laughs> right. These things happen. and But I do feel that I'm very – I'm I, – yeah, I feel good. Like I, many, many people tell me that our generation is the last generation of true fame. And after us, it was all social media and different. And there have been people that come out, legacy stars like Jennifer Lawrence and Channing Tatum. Yeah, not, terrific actors. Yes, but not as many as they were. Now it was like, there's a lot of social media stars in there if you don't have a following you're saying then you're you know you're not a movie star 
Well, no, like we we were traditional fame made, picked by the establishment. Right. We or, didn't have any built in audience yeah. or like we didn't, they didn't know what we were. We didn't have a video that go viral for us, like, you know, slipping on something or, you know, a fake <laughs> prank or, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So it's Yeah, like, no, I get it. Gen, and, good, and good for them. No, good for them. But like Jen, but, Ar- right. like Jen Ortega now is the next mega star. You know, she's a new legacy star. But again, there's not many people of this caliber where in our day more people would come out you could have a couple people pop and so i'm very fortunate that i have made a name and i i don't sit and revel in it but i do know that yeah i've done something and i'm are, lucky yeah are your are your parents still with you no in the past but thank you for asking when uh last seven years my dad was about six and a half years ago my mom was about three years ago i'm sorry that's okay it, how hard was that it was it, I mean, well, my dad was easier because he was going down and then my mom was also going down. And I mean, they lived to almost 90, so I was a late. But it doesn't make it easier. No, but it's, it's a I have some, you know, some issues with my mom's death, but I've processed it a lot. And Issues like how? Just, you know, having these last conversations that I didn't really get to have, but we had them throughout her life. Right. But, you know, you want, I was there so much. And we tried to, I tried to time it. My sisters tried to time it, you know? And then she just went in her sleep, which I is, guess is a good thing. But yeah. to, I want, you know, I was there with my dad. We, my whole family was holding my dad's hands, looking in his eyes as he died. That's like insane. But it's like literally picture perfect Charles Dick and death. Like it was like... <laughs> Like, so people are like, dude, you understand how rare that is. And my mom, I wasn't there. So, but again, I was so spoiled, if I could say that with my father's death, that I felt like my mother's death. I felt like, oh, I wish I was there. Yeah. But, you know, we, I'd gone back and forth so many times and I canceled stuff. And then I was like, I got to keep my life going. So I tried to schedule it. And so, well, you know that they were proud of you, right? I, I hope so. I really hope so. Do they tell you? Do they say, I love you, Jamie? I'm proud they did, of you? They did during my, as my career was going, and, and there were moments, but I didn't have that end of life conversation with my mom, which I'm kind of bummed about. But we had it throughout her life. Yeah. Um, but my sisters will all say that. Look at all the stuff they said about you and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you, you question. I, th- I think, let me ask you this. This is, a, this is selfish. Go and I don't know how to articulate it. Take your time. But we've covered a lot of things. But when your parents are dying, yeah, or even before they're dying, where are you almost like saying, you know, I'll be okay. I'm prepared. I'm like, I feel like, and it's weird. Like I feel like I'm gonna be fine. I'll know how to deal with it. I don't want it to happen. And then it hits and it's completely different. Or were you sort of like, what was the juxtaposition? What was the feeling before and the feeling after? Could you prepare yourself for it? Um, do you have both your parents? I do. Okay, that's beautiful. It is, but there's, you know, there's there's a lot of history. There's a lot of things that will never be talked about, um, and they just won't be. Okay. And um, but I have forgiven, mm-hmm. and um, I think I'm fine with it. But my uncle, who's a psychologist, retired, so whatever. Mm-hmm. But he said to me, he goes, "I said something, you know." about my mom and he goes you know because death got brought up she goes you know he has you know you might want to you should definitely see a therapist and talk to your therapist about this and i go but what 
I just don't know how well you're going to do when your mom passes. And I go, what are you, what are you saying? I mean, it's like, cause I, he knows the history and knows all these things. And, and I'm like, since you know all this, why are you saying that? But he thinks it's going to affect me differently than I think, which kind of scares me. Mm. So I'm not exactly sure what to do, but you know, because there's, there's a lot of resentment in my mm. family. There's a lot of, but, I've also, again, let it go as much as I can. A lot of therapy, a lot of that stuff. But there comes a time when it happens, and you're like, and I, you know, she always said this, and this was manipulative. She said, You only have one mother. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, you think about that. You only have one mother. You only have one mother, no matter how good, how bad, how complicated, how whatever you do. And it's unfair to be told that, to think that. Mm hmm. So I guess for me, I'm just, you know, you know, if, if there was sort of a before feeling and an after feeling and what that was, if that makes sense. Yes. My father was a huge smoker. So he told us. How many packs a day? Two and a half, three. I'm talking Viceroy's, bro. For years. Decades. He started when he was 13. He died when he was 86. Bro. Deep in the game, like he should be, a, he would probably live to 180 if he didn't smoke. So at like 83, he said, I got a little cancer. He called me one day and he said, a little, him and my mom called and he's like, I got a little thing on my lung. And I said, what are you going to do? And he goes, nothing. And I'm like, why? And he's like, I don't want to go through that. So that was the hardest time processing that you're going to lose a parent again i had him for 43 years up until that point and i was the youngest of six kids and they were already older parents so i was already understood that i had older parents not like other kids so i that started the clock uh we got him a lot of different therapies and natural stuff and he did them but he didn't care he was he was done living before we were done letting him live and that's what i learned is you got to let people live their own life. It's like we were trying our hardest to save him, and he was like. People have to want to be saved. Yeah. And he had lived, and my dad was a beautiful soul, complicated figure, but he slowly, slowly went. And I had an amazing doctor for him because I was doing a show called Heartbeat on NBC. So it was based on this amazing female cardiologist. And so she hooked me up with the best doctors in the world. And so I'd have them come in. But we, you know. He slowly went. So after I got through that first shock of him telling me that, you know the day was going to come. It became a love, beautiful fest. Uh, I had a gig. I ran back because my sister's like, it's not good. Made it back. And he didn't go that day, but he went a week later. So like I said, there's a... The death was beautiful. So you're saying you were like like I did with my grandfather. You, you were mourning him as he was slowly going. Yes, letting him know. And dude, to be quite frankly, I was talking to him, trying to be deep. And he was like, can, can you give me my coffee? Like, like you're like, <laughs> yeah, like, hey, dad, I love you. Okay, great. Uh, can you take me to the toilet? Like, people are just trying to survive, which made me feel better. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so... I I enjoyed him. My other boy, his dad was dying at the same time. He kind of died similar. So I enjoyed it. My mom. Wait, what did you just say? My other buddy, 
his father was dying at the same time. And so we were both kind of going together, through it. Right. So when he died, it was sad, but it was a celebration. But I felt bad for my mother. Yeah. Because my mother lost her hip. This was her hip. 58, maybe, maybe I think 60 years, bro. I was able to throw them a huge 50th anniversary party. All my family was in a great event. And I think they did. I think it was either 59 or 60. 60 years, bro. That's unheard of. You and I, we can't be committed for what? 60 seconds? It's, no. You know, it's like different worlds. So his was a beautiful passing. My mother's, we knew she was going to go too. But she kept coming back. And I filmed, was filming a CSI episode and I told them and they're like, they were so sweet. They rearranged it so I could go back. I go back. She didn't pass. I was doing a stand-up show. I quit, went back. And we, she just kept, and she lasted for a good four more years. Jeez. And so it was incredible. And they say that people will stay alive for you, you know, and we give them that energy. But she literally at the end of her life, this is not a, like, she was almost like a head. Like she was just like. Hey, can you put that blueberry in my mouth? Like, I mean, in, in, I was like, so she all lost functions. So it was almost a relief for her. I, yeah. Like I said, I have some things of like not holding her hand, not looking in her eyes, not saying, mom, I love you. Talk to you on the other side. Those moments. But again, people say that's a perfect ending. But I felt almost a relief for her pain. I know that sounds crazy. She was, um, she was a month no, out of that. That's, that's being human. Yeah. And, and you know? then, um, but here, but how I felt after that, dude, 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 I'll tell you two things. I felt like I'm alone because I have brothers and sisters, but you know, we have some good relationships, some complicated and I have a huge family, but I don't, I talk to them more now, like cousins and different people. That's nice. I felt like I'm alone, but I'm also free. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I, I know exactly what you're saying. And I've been There's, my, yeah, I've been my parents' parents since I was about 28 years old. Me too. I've been me taking too. care of them. Oh, well, my mom, my yeah. mom for me. My, so yeah. it was like, I'm like, I'm already kind of been my own parent. And like for the first year I was like, oh, am I going to like, no one's giving, I'm always doing my own money. It's like, you don't have to worry anymore. No. Like, it's almost like as, as, as bad as it might sound, it's like them passing is sort of also a relief for them, but also a relief for you. And you can not have to worry and not have to be there all the time and not have to like, yeah, it's emotional and exhausting. And it's like, you know, it's almost, it's crippling. And there's a, there is a quantum entanglement. Like when my mother died, I felt her pull. My mother's a very strong presence, you know, gave me my moral backbone. My father did too, but my mother was like, made me a good boy. You know what I'm saying? Like I do obey the laws in a lot of ways, but I'm also very lashed back at the system. But she gave me morals. My mother would never steal a penny. And so when she died, I felt this presence leave me. But I do know that she's imbued me with that, these beliefs that will never leave me. And like you said, I'm free to like literally like I'm Kung Fu. Remember Kung Fu? Mm -hmm. Like walk the earth. So every- You feel like you could now you're ready to live. I mean, we live, I mean, I mean, we live, but I know what but you're really, saying. really, like, like, let it, let it go and live more. Yeah, like, sometimes you don't do things in your life because you're like, what would my mother think? But then part of me is like, yep. 
Yeah. Well, I'm, she's not here. But then part of me is still like, well, my mother like that. My brother says that. He'll say like, with mom like that? Like, don't do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's still kind she's of. dead. <laughs> Let it be. Exactly. Good Lord. There's a um, lot. Of, it's amazing too. There's a lot of feelings. But at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you this. Make your peace, bro. I can't tell you this. Make your peace. Look in your mother's eyes. Tell her you love her. And then find make sure that she's proud of you that what you've done what you've achieved and going on this world and then just clean your side of the street that's all i can tell you get me emotional kennedy and and time will heal time heals like there are certain things with my mother's death that i was like a little bit still like i said unsettled with time has been the great regulator and time makes the lovers feel like they got something real. But you and me, we got nothing but time. And time won't give me time. You got to pay a royalty, but the brilliance of George Michael. Uh, actually, it's Culture Club. It's um, I mean, uh, Boy George. My, Michael George. Uh, uh, Boy see, George. see that? That's the 5G. Listen, I love you, and I want you to do that. It's a, I will. I will. It wasn't a deterrent. It wasn't me yeah. deflecting, but it was. But I, I'm still, I hear you. Um, you said something about eight minutes ago. You said, you know, you and I were single. Why are we single? This and that. You're 52. I'll be 51. I have a girlfriend now. How long? A couple of years. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> do you, do, it doesn't be like that. Well, let me ask you. Uh, do you feel like there was is a pressure in your later years where people you'd always hear whether it be your mom? Your well, we dad, could have the single convo. Go ahead. Whether it's your mom, your dad, your your brother, whatever. Did you feel like your friends were saying like, "Yeah, this is great"? You know, you're single a lot of times. Now you're not, but you, you don't want to be alone when you get older. That's that's the reason. Everybody says that's the reason. You just got to find someone so you're not alone. I want to find someone that I want. Gives me the reason not to want to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your question? It really is more rhetorical. Um, I would say, look, the death, there's a couple of things here, dude. We're going here. It's like the deaths have changed me and COVID has made give me another perspective and our business, the way I believe it's changed has given me a lot of perspective. So I remember I would walk around my house and I'd be alone. And you know, we would have different friends come over and I would be like, I love my freedom, but yes, our life can be, I love my alone time, but our life can also be lonely. Do you know what I'm saying? That's why yeah. you see people hang around with people that aren't exactly good for them just because they want somebody next to them, you know? So for me, I've gone through a lot and my girl has been there through the hell. That's and, when you know. And she's been, she's the most beautiful soul and she's, and I don't talk about her publicly. So this is, again, I'm sharing this with you, but she's, you know what she is, dude, more than anything? She's sweet. She's sweet, and I love a sweet person. And it makes you sweeter, doesn't it? Totally. I like. I tell always tell her this. I would always tell any woman in L.A. I don't kick puppies. <laughs> and you know what I mean by that? 
these women, they come out, they try to be so tough and fucking, you know, and it's a cover. And I'm like, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. I will not take advantage of that. And But some guys do. Yes, you're correct. You yeah, are. And so that's why there's like a lack a of wall. trust. Right. There's I agree. Right. But, and I guess me, yeah, you're right. And that's not fair to me to say, but it's also fair to me to say like, there are certain people that just have walls up and it's like, yes, let's build a trust here. Mm -hmm. And you'll realize that maybe your wall, and when, when the walls come down, you're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I will protect you, but you're right. There are monsters out there. But more importantly, what I think you're saying too, which I'm getting from from you, is that um, the only time you're ever going to really find true love is when you are vulnerable. Yes. When you're both let down the walls and let each other in and take a chance. I think that's what I'm gathering is that, you know, my therapist, I went to this place because I was really depressed and stuff and- I just wasn't in a good place a couple of years ago. And was it a rehab? Like a treatment center, but I wasn't on drugs or alcohol. I've never been that. How long know. did you do? Three weeks. In Malibu? No, in Connecticut. Wow. And um, uh, Zach Levi actually recommended it to me because we have a lot of deep conversations and shit. And um, uh, this guy, this old guy, Dr. Kessler. Yeah. And he goes, and after all these sessions, weeks, he goes, you know what I think? And I go, I, I don't. I'd like to hear it. <laughs> he says, I think when you allow someone to love you, that's when you're going to be happy. That's when you're going to thrive. Allow someone to love you. You don't trust it. Mm. And it was like, I like, cried right in front of him. I was like, oh my God, I have tried. I know why. I know why. We've talked about all these. Um, okay, look. This is amazing. I mean, I love this. This is this is good. So you didn't think it was going to go so deep, did you? I didn't know. Well, with comedians, mostly you think, oh, we're just going to joke back. But I like to, like, this is real shit. I like that. Yeah. Wait. Okay. Can, can I comment on that? Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Here's what happened. Because your mommy issues are, that's what's affecting your sure, relationship. Sure, sure, sure. And <laughs> you want to blow that off? No, I'm not blowing it off. I'm like, there's, yeah, okay. you're not wrong. But I will say this. I, it's, I never expected to be in a relationship. I'm like you. You know what I'm saying? We live our life. We to dawdle around the world. Um, and I'm in one and I'm fortunate, you know. But like, again- I've passed 50. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of things happen to me and, and like the universe put me and her together. Also, you told me back and back in the day, I had no idea that you, you've talked about it openly, but you have, you have always had a kidney thing. I have a kidney. I only have one kidney. What now, what does that mean? Cause you could obviously live with one ki kidney. You're here with us right now. Yeah. But is it, do you have to be more thoughtful of how you eat and drink because you only have one kidney? I think so, but you don't, my doctor doesn't say, it. you know, you can live with a quarter kidney. You can live with a quarter kidney. And so I have one whole kidney and you only, it's fine. And Why did I, they remove the other one? Because it was, there was uh, something happening. It's something, something called a ureter and that was twisted up. And through that, uh, urine was not escaping. Throughout years, a tiny percentage of urine stayed in my kidney, 
which basically poisoned it and killed it. So it was killed by not getting rid of the waste. And you didn't know it. You could have probably corrected it many years before that. Definitely. But How I, old were you when this happened? Uh, 24 when I had the procedure, but I was feeling weird for up since I was about 16, but little bits every, like twice a year, I'd get a weird pain and it would go away. Did you think you were going to die? Uh, the kidney, I mean, I guess, but not terribly because I, my doctor was so confident, but I definitely felt like, what's that mean? Only have one kidney. And he's like, you don't need more than one. You go caught. He was some German. I don't know if that's German, but he was the sweetest guy and he educated me. So I knew I would party and do everything, but I don't, I haven't drank in a while. Not because of like, I'm sober or anything, just because I was, saw myself in some, I saw myself on, I did an episode of Lucifer and I was so puffy and I'm like, I gotta like easy on the fucking boozy. So <laughs> I don't really drink in a while. Not saying I won't right. again, but I've really become like, you know, I just kind of like, I like to do activities. Yeah. It's you know, you know, what's funny is I was interviewing someone and their best friend was, um, Helen Hunt. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they, she was talking about seeing herself cause she's older now. She's not like, 20s 30s 40s she's in her 50s and she saw herself the director showed her some of her scenes and she went back to her best friend helen hunt and she said she, helen says how was the movie how she goes i saw some footage i i look so old and helen hunt looked at her and goes we're dying <laughs> brilliant brilliant and that puts things in their perspective right yeah we're dying we're getting old yeah you're gonna look older because you're older yeah that's a. I, I love that that really hit me i was like wow that's brilliant yeah i love shit like that um you know you've talked about it ad nauseum but like i i just want to know because i don't know the story you auditioned for west craven for the scream stuff yeah how many times First time was for Lisa Beach. Mm -hmm. Back in New York? No, it was here, CBS Radford. Ah. And she was looked at me the whole time, and she's like, that was really good. And like, you know, people say that, but you don't know, right? And then she goes, could you come back Thursday to meet the director? And I said, yeah, are you serious? She goes, yeah. And then I left, and I didn't, you know, didn't know if it was going to reel or not, and Katie Mason, my agent, called and said, honey, you're going back Thursday. So then I went back, met Wes, very quiet. Yeah, I did, worked with him too, yeah. Did the scenes and then he was like, that was good. And I was like, does that mean it's good? He's like, that was really good. And so then I was like, boom. Then I Did you know all your lines inside out? No, that's what's great, bro. You can look at my audition tape. I'm holding the script. I'm looking down. I'm improvising. Do you remember when directors like Wes, why they're the greatest? Because they play. It wasn't an audition. It was play. And he saw. Like yeah, he, he saw. saw an essence. Dave, when I got Three Kings, David Russell made me read for three different characters. He goes, go to the bathroom and learn new stuff. Okay. And come back. Nah, I don't like that. Go to the bathroom and learn this one. But you didn't learn it. You kind of just yeah, I just did it. Then we improvise. We did it. Essence. It's essences. You know. Now, if you miss one line on a fucking self tape on a Zoom, you're dead to them. It's like, are you, I mean, that's the difference between auteurs and corporate. You know, creative of art. Cor corporations can't make art. Auteurs do. You know. Wow. TV art is not made by a committee. That is my opinion. So it's made by a singular vision. So 
I went, I auditioned, and then the crazy shit is, is that I was filming Romeo and Juliet, and they, my agent called and says, I have two auditions for you next Saturday. I was like six weeks down there, and they go, you got to get back here, but they're not flying you back. One was a screen test for a movie, The Pest, and another one was a movie called Scream. And I went in, and I killed at The Pest, and then I went for Scream, and I think I did really good, but I, my hair was pink. And the whole there was like eight people in the room, and they were like, and I remember Marianne, she's like, your hair, it's pink. <laughs> and I go, I know. And she goes, why? And I go, I'm doing Romeo and Juliet. I'm doing with Leo. Leo, you know, Romeo and Juliet, it's going to be a big baz. And she's like, okay. And like, I just was like, I'm going to lose this fucking job. I'm like, we could die. I'll pay for the die job. I, oh, I can die it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm rapping in two weeks. Long story, you know, long, we 10 podcasts to tell you how I got the job. Right. But it was getting it, losing it, getting it, losing it, getting it, losing it. Wes loved me. The producers loved me. The studio wanted a name. I wasn't a name. Back and forth, back and forth. And then Wes, God rest his soul, you know, he said, this is my guy. Did you did you keep in touch with Wes or not really? All the time, he was um, he was a father, another father figure, a beautiful soul. Uh, I can tell you multiple stories about him. He would have dinner parties. He lived. One of the coolest things I remember about this business was he lived up on. Yeah, I know he signed it. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. He lived up on Solar, Solar Drive. Big views. Beautiful views, and. His next, to get to his little section, you had to drive through like two other houses. So it was like a lip, they, that little like, uh, what is that called? Like a- Cul-de-sac? Yeah. And Polly Shore lived in the other one. And Polly, when Scream 2 opened up to number one, it put a huge banner from across the cul-de-sac, house to house, and said, congratulations, Scream 2 like biggest opening of November in history. Like it was like the biggest opening of November or something. He says, congratulations, you killed it. It was so fucking beautiful. That's awesome. And I'll never forget it. And Wes loved it and he kept it up there, you know? And these are the stories that you don't hear, right? And because Paulie knows, he knows how hard it is to make a, a, a movie, let alone a hit movie. And so Wes would have these dinner parties and he would have different people from like Heather from Night She's Night. coming on the podcast. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. She, he had Angela Bassett from uh, you know, Vampire in Brooklyn. Uh, he would have Robert. He would have different of us from Scream. And his place was like this, where he would have memorabilia from all different his different movies. And uh next to his bed was this little frame of something. And it was, I said, what is that? And he said, that's my hack license. And a hack license is the license to drive a cab in New York City. And it said, you know, Wes Craven and LAC cab, whatever, 1971, 1972. And I said, why do you keep that next to your bed? And he says, because when I get up every morning, I look at it and I say to myself, this is something I never want to go back to. And the fear that he would have to drive a cab again fueled him to make movies. 
I'm doing that tomorrow. Four million dollar house, huge legacy. And he still has that to remind him. Dude, not only that, like the fear of that license put the fear in him and he scared us. He's got three different universes at least. Nightmare, Scream, and Hills Have Eyes. Three different universes that he created independently. Unbelievable. You're coming back. Because you have so many stories, I, I like. I, we haven't even. I, I, we I, I, I never. Service. I never even look at this, but it's like I, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. But um, look, this is th these are questions rapid fire from my patrons. These are patrons who support okay. the podcast. I All love right. you guys. Go to patreon.com/slash inside of you, join Patreon, help the podcast. Leanne, what do you enjoy most about being part of the Scream franchise, and what is your all-time favorite horror movie? <sighs> Can I guess your favorite horror movie? Yeah, Shining. Ooh, it's a good one. It's right there. Or, it's, or Alien. It's a good one. Uh, you're leaving out Exorcist. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. Exorcist might be the scariest, but Shining is really good, too. You know what the scariest part of the Exorcist is? When she's at the uh, on the bed, and the priest looks at her and goes, Quad nomen mihi est. Quad nomen mihi est. And she goes, Le plume de matante. And he goes, and then all of a sudden the, the, the dresser, uh, the, the drawer goes, whoosh, opens, and he goes, do that again. In time. No, do it now. In time. I was like, oh! I want to freak out. I love. Dude, you're a plethora. I forgot how much of a pop culture junkie. How are. about The Shining? When uh, Nicholson, she runs in the room. Uh, what's her name? Uh, in The Shining. Uh, Shelly Duvall. Her character, though. Shelly Duvall. Wendy. Okay. And uh, she runs and goes, Jack, Jack, there's someone in the room. Someone in the hotel. <laughs> they, they hurt Danny. They hurt Danny. And Jack just goes, you out of your fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite old time moments, Jack moments. Give me the bat, Wendy. Yeah. Not gonna hurt you. Yeah. You didn't let me finish my sentence, Wendy. I said I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm this just gonna bash your brains in. Yeah. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in. <laughs> Does he do a lot of impressions on this? I don't show? do them all the time. Bro, I can make a living maybe doing. Why this. don't you? Weren't you doing stand up for a little bit? I was, but then I got kind of disen, what's disenchanted. Disen you were going up. I would miss you. You were on different shows. You were going. You know with what it Nick. is? It's it's a sort of a. What's hard for me is you have you are an undervalued talent, and part of it's my fault. I think I, I let me get in the way. I don't know, bro. I do. Everyone I think I think you. I let me get in the way of a lot of things in life. And that's something I need to get over. But it's 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 a it's a process. The older I get, in the last couple of years, have just kind of given me the uh, the ability to start feeling like I don't need to do something because it makes my agent happy. I don't have to do something because everybody thinks I should. Yeah, I need to do things because. I like doing them. I enjoy doing them. I want, most importantly, I want to do them. Mm -hmm. You know, and that seems so easy. Mm -hmm. Like most people go, I don't give a fuck what they think. I won't give, I'll do what I want. You know, it's taking me a little more time. Uh, this is Ray H. What project have you worked on that you were the most proud of? <sighs> That's too hard to answer. I know it's too hard, but what's the one thing 
that you think, or maybe the most proud of and the most fun? Uh, listen, there's a lot of babies that I've been part of and given birth to, so I'm fortunate. So I'm not trying to hurt anything, but I would say Malibu's I'm really proud of because that was an idea that I had. And to shepherd it all the way from idea to concept to script to sale to movie to successful movie to now being this like cold hit, that made me feel good. And it validated me as a person to say, oh, okay, my ideas actually are worth some. Yes. I love that. Kendrick F. Just want to give a shout out to the movie Bong Water. Great cast and your character Tommy was legendary. Any funny memories from the set? Um... Wow, Bong, that's like 26 years ago. It's a deep cut. I would say it was just an amazing cast. It was Luke Wilson, Jack, Brittany Murphy, God rest her soul, Scotty Kahn. Um, Why am I not on your podcast? Oh, I just started it. I'm going to start having people. What's I it called? Hate to Break It To You with Jamie Kennedy. Dude. Um, Where can they find it? It's not out yet. No, it's on. It's on YouTube, but it's but I'm, it's going to be everywhere, but it's on YouTube. Right Dude, now. check it out, for yeah, God's sakes. Uh, but- um, Funny story. Bong Water was great. I don't know. I can't I just remember. You could also watch Thong Water on TLC. It's out now. <laughs> uh, House of Joel. Love Malibu's Most Wanted. Do you think that type of satire could be done today? Uh, it should be. It's needed more than ever, but no, because of political correctness. How do you deal with haters right now? Have you learned to deal with haters? Do you still do you still read reviews? Do you still give a shit as much, or does it still kind of hurt you no matter what? Don't give a shit as much. Definitely, if they catch you on a bad day, as you know, because we all can have a bad day, they'll sting you. I think a hater affects you the most when you're at your, when you're at a point where you're most insecure about what they're hating on about you. So if you're insecure about something and they zing you. You will have a bad day with it, but I don't let them validate me. The best way to do it is if you find something that really hates on you, you click their profile. And if they have 22 followers and they're, um, their icon is an egg, then you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, what am I wa- worrying about? This yeah, time? but if it's like a, you know, I get surprised, and this could be a whole other pod. I can't believe the amount of people within our business sometimes that hate on other like us like i as an actor i would never hate on another actor let alone publicly but people do that now and that's weird that's cannibalism yeah those to me are people that never had success because it's a painful existence yeah that all they have is to let's let's hurt someone else let's throw hate out there because that's that somehow fills something for them Mm -hmm. you know briefly Mm -hmm. um what's next i'm on tour so you can see me go on my website. Yeah, where are you in the next few cities? JamieKennedy.com. Go to JamieKennedy.com. I'm, I'm on tour. Every week I'm on tour. And what are you? And I'm on at cons. I'm always going to cons. Yeah. You got to come. I know you do them. Right? I do cons too, but we just haven't crossed paths. Yeah. Just, what? What is uh, is an hour long when people come see you? You do yeah, about an hour? Yeah, an hour, an hour, 10. And what's like? can you give us a taste of something that you talk about? Or is it something you say for them? I mean, you know, it's a whole bit, but like, I don't know. We want to talk like, uh, they know they could, you could go on my Instagram. You see some of my rants. And do you like talking about you? You're, you're very self-deprecating. I have. Yes. I have moments like that. Right. What, how do you deal with bombing? Does it just not phase you anymore? Oh, it totally phases me. You don't like when you bomb. 
Well, I don't like, I don't mind bombing as much, but I hate it when the audience hates that I bomb and they think I stink. But it's not that I stink, it's just that I'm trying new things. But you have to bomb in the right atmosphere because if you bomb when it's a big show, they're like, yo, we paid for this. We didn't want to see you bomb. You ever get booed? Uh, I definitely get some hate for sure. I get heckled a lot. Still? Yeah, yeah. What do they, what what, what people say? Uh, you're not funny. You suck. And what do you say? Um, I said, well, I bought two houses. <laughs> and, and that, exactly. Well, and that, it's not like a diss of like, because I did that, I'm better than you. It's because I bought the houses using the talent, which you said I am not. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I didn't buy them as a plumber. I bought them being funny, which you said I'm not. I love it. So, I love it. You know, Dice Clay had one of the best lines a long time ago. He would never be here right now doing this his comedy from yesteryear but he still does it but dice is up every week is he yeah he's still doing the same shit i don't know but he's he does he dice is one of our edges comics oh so he still does that same shit oh, oh i didn't know that he's everywhere i gotta bro. go see him but, but yeah. anyway he i remember he was in arsenio hall in circa 1990 something okay and right. arsenio was talking to him and this guy yells out get out of here we don't want you here <laughs> and he goes Look at you. Huh? You're the type of guy that gets out of the shower to take a piss. Why don't you turn your teeth around and bite your throat? I was fucking floor. I love when they have a comeback. Like, shut the hell up. Yeah. You know, I'm up here. You know, as people don't understand. Like, you're up there. Like, it's you're alone and yeah. you're doing your thing. Yeah. Let him do his thing. Let but, her do her thing. But now more than ever, Michael social media entitlement it's three things it's if you were raised with social media you are raised that you have an opinion and you could tell it to people and it matters okay and then it's able to spread through social media and then gen z no offense the humor gene is gone i love gen z because they're compassionate generation and they're much more inclusive which is beautiful but they don't get sarcasm. No. And I would like to teach them a little bit of sarcasm and they can teach me a little bit more about being sensitive. I like how he thinks. I'm not saying I'm surprised by how good of a guest you've been, oh. but I'm surprised at how much better it even is that I thought it would be. Oh, thank you. No, because this is what it's about. Like people, it's it's interesting. Everything we're talking about is interesting, or you know, uh, you know, you talk about you know death, and you it just I I really enjoyed this. Thanks, buddy. I I, I got. I haven't seen you in I know a lot too long. So we, we, I want to meet the girl. Yeah. Will I you Will you come back? Yeah. I don't say that very often. I just really enjoy really this nice conversation. Of you. You're very open. I, I I like that. I feel like I could say anything, and you you know, and, and that makes me want to go. There's still more. I would you love know like that. guys like Robert Patrick who came on, and Michael Bean from Aliens and Tombstone. These guys let go and they fucking talk about what they want to say. Legends. Legends. And J.K. Simmons and talking about his brother's suicide. And like, I, it's just real shit. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming out. Love you, buddy. Love you too, man. Thank you. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, if you liked it, please uh, follow us on our socials at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, Ryan, and at Inside of You Pod on the Twitter. Join Patreon to support the podcast. If you liked it, uh, write a review. It helps the podcast so much. And uh, Ryan, you doing all right? I'm hanging in there. Are you? As are you. As are we all. Yeah. 
I'm just trying to hang in there. Uh, it's just, you know, sometimes things happen and you just have to, it's, it's part of the equation. It's like, it's, it's part of your life now. So like, what do you do? You just go, okay, uh, hopefully this, this will get better. This yeah. will get better. That's yeah. all you could hope for. Yeah, man. Things happen. That's all they ever do. Yeah. Yeah. I took a nice pot taffy last night and that helped. And I watched, um, some stuff. I watched some ghost hunter shit. Some ghost hunter shit. But I mean, that's kind of what the reality series is gonna be. It's not we're not ghost hunters. We're just two guys who love horror and are goofy and are gonna go see if stuff's really scary. That what kinda. if you actually have like a ghost experience? Like a I'll shit my pants. Yeah. If I have a ghost experience, um everyone will know. They'll mm-hmm. know because I'll I'll be so You'll animated and oh yeah, I'll be emotional about it, I'm sure. So it's called Scared. It won't come out till next year, but um you know, a lot of cool stuff going on and um, hoping the strike will end so um, people can start getting back to work and all that. Um, things are slowly happening, it looks like, uh, on that front. Slowly happening. I think things are starting to ameliorate. Did you watch a spelling bee last night? No, too with your- it's, a, it's a word that I learned in word power in high school and I use it. It means to become better. Ameliorate. Ameliorate. I lost a spelling bee in fourth grade once on the word autumn because I was a u t u n n. I got ahead of myself and I forgot the u. Really? I was so bummed. Well, f u Ryan. I know for missing that. I have not forgotten. I I was in a spelling bee too, and at first they do the whole school, and I got narrowed down to the top ten. But I wasn't. I was a decent speller, but I wasn't a good student. Mm-hmm. But like anytime there was competition or something, I would. I remember my teacher, Mrs. Meyer. She would teach us. She taught us. A lot of things. There are very few good teachers in my life. She was one of them, but the spelling of encyclopedia. She uh, taught us in song. E-N-C-Y-C-L-O-P-E-D-I-A. She also taught us the linking verbs. Huh. Is, am, are, was, were, be, being, been, has, have, had, do, does, did, shall, will, should, would, may, might, must, can, could. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And now she's in the soap game. What do you mean? Mrs. Meyer? Oh, Meyer Soap. Yeah, pretty good. All right. We love you. Thanks for watching the podcast. This Right now, it's uh, the patron, the top tier patrons who uh, they get boxes from me every couple of months and uh, sign stuff and write little notes and you get a bunch of cool stuff. So join Patreon. And if you want to be a top tier, that's great. You're really helping the podcast. Patreon.com slash inside you. But let's go to the top tiers. Ryan. I'm going to read them out and maybe I'll do an impression and you'll try to see if you can do it. If I can't, I'll just read it. Nancy D. Leah Kristen. Leah and Kristen. Little Lisa Yukiko. That wasn't <laughs> anything like I said. <laughs> Jill E. Brian H. Nico B. Robert B. Jason W. Sophie M. Raj C. Joshua D. Jennifer N. Stacy L. Jamal F. Janelle B. Mike E. L. Downs Supremo. I'm 99 gonna, more. 99 more. I'm going to give a little Wilford Brimley. Diabetes. <laughs> um, what does he say? He says, uh, have a bowl of Quaker Oats. Santiago M. Chad W. Leanne P. Mattias. Belinda N. Dave H. <laughs> Sheila G. Brad D. Ray H. Tabitha D. Tom N, Talia M, Betsy D, Angel M, Rhiannon C. Hey, hey, um, um, 
Corey K. Dave Nixon. Michelle A. Jeremy C. Brandy D. Joey M. Eugene and Leah. You got it at the end. It was. Better. I did. I was trying to do a Hugh Grant and it wasn't working because I thought that's what you were doing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I course corrected. You, you, you corrected yourself. I course corrected. Corey. Jake B. Angela F. Mel S. Christine S. Eric H. Shane R. Andrew M. Tim L. Amanda R. Jen B. Kevin E. Stephanie K. Jor L. Jamma J. Leanne J. Lana. Luna R. Lana. Mike F. Stone H. Kayla. Stay wild, Moonchild. Brian L. Kendall L. Cara C. Jessica B. Kyle F. Marisol P. Kaylee J. Brian A. Ashley F. Marion Louise L. Romeo B. Veronica Q. Frank B, Jen T, Nikki L, April R, Cassie B, Derek N, JDW, Michelle L, Combom, Ginger Insomniac, and Rachel D. We love you all. Thank you for supporting the podcast. And uh, until next time, I'm Mike Rosenbaum from the Hollywood Hills in Hollywood, California. I'm Ryan Tears doing another voice. Well, yeah, here we are. We love you guys. Thanks for uh, putting up with us and hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. Until next time, please. Be good to yourself. My dogs are barking. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.